This is Let's Go Michigan with Jeff Sloan on 760 WJR. Your bird's eye view on Michigan's business and entertainment scene. Here's Jeff. All right, welcome to Let's Go Michigan on this December Michigan weekend. A weekend heading into now very close to Christmas. Everyone got their shopping done. Mark Pastoria, Kristen Kajawa here with me, of course. Guys, all set for Christmas? Nope. No. <laughs> the easy answer is no. Yes, indeed. Never. I'm never ready. Let I, me ask you, Kristen, is yeah. this typical for you? I yeah. mean, is this this kind of this how it goes? Yes, this is how it goes. This is how it goes. Mark, how about you? I'll be ready the day we get out of work here. And uh, and head home for Christmas Eve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Are you ready? I fully understand. Yeah. I mean, I think, well, I'm fortunate in that it's really not my department. Yeah, in fact, I'm, in fact say. there's a mandate where I stay out of it. Right, right. I should have asked. <laughs> you know, this is your you, wife You know how ready. that goes? Yes. Right, exactly. Don't meddle mm-hmm. where you're not yes, wanted. That's right. Stay out of it. It's like so, decorating the Christmas right. tree. Oh, boy. Right? Well, listen, I also want you to know that when it comes to Christmas trees, just for information's sake, the average cost between $80 and $100 this year is what it costs to buy a Christmas tree. Oh, yeah. And that, according to Newsweek, and that means the price is up about 10% this year. Now, the Real Christmas Tree Board research also shows that more people are buying real trees this year for the first time. That, thanks to a growing number of Gen Z and millennial shoppers settling into their own holiday traditions. Gen Z buyers, 26% are buying real trees for the first time compared to 25% of millennials and 13% of Gen Xers. So we spend about, by the way, on average, according to the National Retail Federation, about 250 bucks, 225 to $250 to decorate the tree, the average spend. Yeah, have you so. seen the price of lights? And every yeah. year they go bad. Someone's got to solve that, Honestly. right? Honestly. We still haven't figured that out. The old Christmas tree light conundrum, when one goes bad now, the whole thing doesn't go bad. Right. It used to be that was right. the case because right. they were all in series. And, That's right. And if one went out, that was the end of it. All right, well, there's nothing like a beautiful Christmas holiday season right here. One of the things that we think about this time of year, and one of the things we hope for, as we certainly as we look toward Christmas, is a white Christmas. But looking ahead in the crystal ball, not looking so good for this year. You know, we know we've got this kind of overarching El Nino effect bearing down on us, driving warmer temperatures. And this year, looking ahead a couple of weeks out anyway, certainly temperatures going to be above normal. And while that doesn't always necessarily correlate directly to whether or not we're going to have snow, In this case, it's just going to be flat out too warm to have any snow. So if we get precipitation, it's going to be in the form of rain, not snow, unfortunately. Well, even today is beautiful. It is beautiful. I mean, it feels more like fall than winter. Or even spring. Or spring. Oh, well, yeah. I was driving my son to school a couple days ago, and it, you know, bright, sunny. Mm -hmm. It looked like spring. And I said that to him. You know, it looks like spring anyway. The flowers are going to be confused soon and start blooming. The flowers, for sure... And it's interesting. I do love spring and summer in Michigan. Always rejoice when it's that time of year. But at this time of year, you kind of do want a little of the novelty of the yeah, winter, right? Absolutely. I mean, at the very least. A few flurries. That would be nice. At least a few flurries. Well, I can tell you this. One of the things that's going to be happening during the Christmas break, don't know if you guys are going anywhere, but many people will be actually record amounts of traffic on the roads during this holiday season anticipated travel on Michigan roadways this holiday season, expected to set a record. An estimated 3.6 million Michiganders are expected to travel 50 miles or more between December 23 and January 1. 
That according to projections by AAA. Now, look, here's the thing. Part of the reason for that is gas prices are incredibly low. What in the world is going on to drive our gas prices so low? Article in USA Today, again from AAA, data that showed that the average price of a gallon of gasoline this past week was around $3.14. I'll take that. Yeah. I'll absolutely take that. But doesn't that then also reflect on the airlines ticket prices going down? I mean, don't you have to fuel a plane? Of course. No, it impacts all travel. Right. But uh, we're expected to have record travel on our road. So if you're headed over the... Over the the river and through the woods? I couldn't say it. (laughs) If you're headed over the river and through the woods this year, headed to Granny's house or wherever you may be headed, you're going to be paying less to do so. But you'll also be encountering a little more traffic than usual as a result. So gas prices down, travel expected up across the state of Michigan. Mark, I want to ask you, moving on to sports for a second. This past week, there was an incident. The Warriors, major star, kind of the heartbeat, the soul of the Golden State Warriors, the basketball team, of course, Draymond Green. I saw it. You saw it. was not pretty. It's not pretty. And, you know, what I always think about when I see things like this, I mean, you love to see fierce competitors competing fiercely, there's a lot of kids looking up to those guys. I was just going to chime in on that. Yep. How Go you, ahead, Carrie. How can on. you tell a kid in elementary or junior high or even high school, listen, no pushing, shoving, no fouls that you right. can commit in the game. We're sportsmen. We don't treat each other that way. Well, my hero, Draymond Green, has no problem treating people that way. He gets right. away with it. In fact, he's even applauded by some crazy people when he does it. And then you have to think about the intensity on the court. And these guys are big. So I was watching it this morning and I was like, yeah, it could know. be dangerous. It could be real dangerous. It could be. It could be dangerous. And I mean, how much of it is, is intentional and then how much of it is just intense play? Uh, that, no. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I gotta be, I'm with you, Kristen, yeah, on this one. I mean, there is. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I don't see a lot charging, of wiggle room here, Mark. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. There's charging. There's, I mean, you can be an aggressive, intense player and not slug a person. Exactly. I mean, my gosh, my exactly. kids play yeah. sports, your kid, all of our kids play sports. If, if my kid did that, I don't care oh. if they're playing at the college level or the professional level, I would be so mad. You'd fire your kid. Your kid would be yes, fired. Totally. No doubt about it. And that kid, Draymond Green, needs to be fired as well. My bottom line on that, No. time to go. He's suspended, right? He's suspended indefinitely. But I mean, indefinitely needs to be underscored in my view. That's yeah. enough. Yeah. You know, yeah. this yeah. isn't like it's a one-off bad day. You know, you might be able to overlook some of that here and there, but this has just been a pattern of bad behavior, teaches kids the wrong things, and he's a paid athlete intended to provide good quality entertainment to everybody he's paid handsomely. Mm-hmm. First of all, on a personal level, what is he thinking? You're right. Right. I right. mean, he really needs to slug somebody and to give up his NBA contract? Well, maybe he'll switch sports. He'll go into boxing. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe ultimate fighting. That's, I think, where he needs to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He needs to, get, he needs to get his butt whooped. Yeah. I'll tell you that. I don't know if you can say that in the air or not, but uh, we're saying it. We did. We're saying it. That's the way we feel. It's that time of year when students are getting those letters of acceptance to college. Of course, that is those students who plan to go to college seems to be just a tradition, right? That's what you do. If you want to give yourself the best shot in life, if you want to pursue a career choice, possibly, or if you want to just get a valuable education. And no doubt, I think it's also fair to say that it's a great cultural and social experience as well that is going to college. Kristen, I've heard you have a few stories you want to share with us about your college experience. Of course, we're talking about 
cultural mm-hmm. and social advancement in life through, oh, yeah. through your experiences. Mm-hmm. Anything you want to share? Mm, okay, right that's now. kind of what I expected. Yeah. And that's what I've heard, by the way. Oh, okay. All right. All kidding aside, though, there are many now choosing not to opt to go to college. I had a chance to catch up with Jody Kirshner. She's a research professor at New York University. She's just published an article in The Atlantic, Why Some Students Are Skipping College. Here's what she had to say. I think it's a whole number of things. I have been following students since 2019 across the country. And I think it can be anything from a job at a warehouse that pays $17 an hour looks really attractive and can get me very quickly to be able to move out of my parents' house, rent an apartment, which is certainly true. It brings faster rewards. Mm -hmm. It can be that from the difficulty of navigating the financial aid process, from getting flagged for verification in the financial aid process, lack of contact with college counselors over the summer. Yeah. And so all of this, whether it's one of those reasons or an aggregate of some of those or all of those reasons, it's really happening right now. I know I just anecdotally, I talk to people, either parents or even students, you know, you're thinking about headed to college after high school. And, you know, it used to be, it was kind of like almost an automatic. The question was, which college or maybe trade school, but there's some kind of further education going on. It really now has changed dramatically in the sense that not going to college or pursuing a further education of some kind has become a really viable option for people. Yes. And I think there's two things going on there. I think one is a profound shift of the burden of paying for college onto American families. Tuitions have risen. Financial aid has not kept pace. There is more and more that is the responsibility of families, of students. The other thing that has happened is a change in attitudes towards the value of the degree, especially given the cost on families, a real questioning of whether it will pay off, even as most statistics show that increasingly in America, you do need a college degree to succeed. The statistics still bear that out. But the fact that we're even having this conversation, the fact that headlines like some students are skipping college make their way into publications like theatlantic.com, these are just signs that things really are changing and people are looking at it in a much more hard way as opposed to the way it was traditionally done in the past when it was just kind of expected that that's the way it goes for many people. It was expected, but it wasn't as expensive. Right. And of course, when weighing these things out, you have to make a judgment call. While it may be expensive, beyond the fact that it's expensive and beyond the fact that you've got to pay for it up front somehow, the question of whether or not it even generates enough of a return to justify it, that's a different question. Even that has come into people's minds as they make this decision for their lives. And that one's a complicated one to answer. I mean, in terms of actual wage growth, it's very clear that a college degree does pay off and that while wages of college graduates maybe haven't increased as fast as we would like them to, wages of people who have only a high school degree to work from have absolutely stagnated and have Mm -hmm. not kept pace at all. If you begin to factor in the amount of debt involved, and look at overall wealth payoffs from attending college, then you get a picture that looks very unequal, that it depends on race, it depends on starting income, though there are still gains across the board from college. 
And so do you think this is just kind of a momentary thing that's reflective of the times we're living in for reasons relevant and, and you know, and occurring out of this particular current time period? Or is this a trend? I think as a country, we hope that this isn't a trend. Yeah. Because while there are individual stakes in terms of career, um, time and employment, overall lifetime earnings, there are huge national stakes for this as well. The country has fallen lower on national league tables of populations education. The U.S. is now well behind Russia on those rankings. And as a democracy that has an innovative, creative economy, the overall level of education matters. And historically, the country thought that it mattered in the wake of World War II made it possible for a lot more Americans, not all of them, primarily white men, but a lot more Americans to go to college by using the GI Bill to subsidize the costs. Statistics show that borrowing for college pays off unless a student attends a for-profit college or unless a student drops out of college because then the student isn't able to earn the wages from the education that would ordinarily go to paying back the loans. So I think one main lever point here is helping students get to college and succeed there. And that runs the gamut from adequate preparation in high school to be able to do college level work to softer supports in college to be able to navigate what may be a very new campus environment and be able to succeed to a degree there. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the cost to those who don't finish college. So here you invest a certain amount of money into the education. You then either need to pay it back or it's just money spent that you don't have anymore. You justify it because you're going to get this great degree that allows you to pursue a career that puts you in position to be able to, let's say, if it is funded as a loan of some kind, you're able to pay it back. However, to your point, if you don't finish, now you don't have the career that would have otherwise put you in position to be able to pay it back, yet you still owe the money back, for example, on the loan. It's a really good point. I'm glad you made it. You know, it's one that is definitely a factor in all this. It is not irrational what families are choosing to do right now. Families are in a very difficult position of needing to potentially borrow a lot to be able to succeed with a college degree. Mm -hmm. But if you don't finish, you will likely lose. And so there are many ways for family to lose in the system as it is presented to them. All right. I don't know about you guys, but I have a question. Does it seem to you, Mark, Kristen, that just everything seems to be changing in life these days? I don't know if this is tied in any way to the pandemic or whatever it may be, whether things just cost us more, people making other options because of the cost, as the conversation with Jody mentioned. But it just seems like everything's changing these days. Now kids not choosing college like they used to. You know, Jeff, it does seem like everything is just loose. I mean, things are costing more. It doesn't feel like there's structure anymore. It makes me a little nervous, to be honest with you. I mean, maybe just because I'm a creature of habit and I like things to be kind of consistent. I'm all for a gap year, which I think was really popular maybe 10 years ago where people chose not to go to college or just put it off for a year because they were backpacking through Europe or sure, choosing sure. something else. But then else. they went. That was just part of the plan. But then they yeah. went. That is yeah. the key. Then yeah. they went. This is totally different. different. They're choosing not to go at all. All right. Well, more about our lives changing and morphing in many ways. 
Lots of themes this time of year. It's the holiday time. Football's getting more serious every day. You can pick a variety of themes. But one for sure this entire year and heading into this holiday season is everything's just costing us more, isn't it? Everything. It's unbelievable. I thought you were going to say the theme was money flies out of your wallet. Well, that is kind of the theme. That is exactly right. Everything costs us more these days, including rising home and car insurance. We're going to be paying more for insurance. And the thing about this is, is that you really have no choice. You got to pay it. So, Kristen, I know you had a chance to catch up with Barty Scott at Insider.com. She just published an article, Rising Home and Car Insurance Will Cost Americans Billions. And you got the scoop for us right here on Let's Go Michigan. That's right. I had a chance to catch up with Barty Scott. She's the deputy editor of businessinsider.com. And I was shocked to learn that we could be paying roughly $13 billion more for homeowners insurance next year. So, Barty, at a high level, why don't you explain to us what's happening? Sure, yeah. So the gist is basically that a lot of Americans pay homeowners insurance. It's usually required by your mortgage company. So if you have a mortgage, you have homeowners insurance. It's about 74 million U.S. homeowners who pay homeowners insurance. And the idea is that costs have been rising, and they're only going to rise a lot more in the coming years. They've been lower for a couple reasons. Basically, companies want to try to get people in on their policies at lower rates, lock them in, and it's sort of a business strategy that happens in a lot of industries. But another big reason is that some states have regulation that actually puts a cap on homeowners insurance premiums, which means that the companies have to make up that money elsewhere. So in other states, their premiums will be higher. So let me ask you, when I'm buying a home, taking out a mortgage, if my homeowner's insurance is part of my mortgage payment or part of my mortgage plan, there's people that probably don't even really know or realize how much they're paying for their homeowner's insurance because it's just a lump sum that comes out every month, right? Exactly. And that's exactly what happened to me. This, you know, a little bit of a personal backstory on this story is typically how it works is you have money with your mortgage company and they pay, you know, your homeowner's insurance throughout the year. And when the next year comes around, they look at, okay, did the premium go up and we actually lost money on this? If so, we need to raise this homeowner's monthly payment more the next year. So it only changes once a year. Suddenly you might look at your mortgage payment and be like, wow, my insurance has gone up a lot. Right. Yeah. And it's typically not something people think about too much. They kind of pay their mortgage every month and that's that. And now let me also ask you, are some of the reasons why these policies and premiums are increasing, is it due to climate? Is it due to people moving into different neighborhoods, you know, the pricing fluctuation in different neighborhoods? Break it down for why we're seeing this very specific increase. Yeah, so the biggest reason that experts told me is climate change, climate crisis, There are a lot more climate events that happen and cause severe damage to homes every year. That number is only going up. So the number of events and the dollar amount of the damages they create are just getting higher and higher to a point where insurance companies are already operating at a loss. They can't get away with not raising premiums anymore. And this is just not in high-risk areas, right? I mean, this is across the board. Every state, there's increase in kind of these natural disasters. Am I understanding that right? 
That's right. And the increased risk in states like Florida and California have a ripple effect across the whole country because the companies, if they're losing a lot of money in Florida, maybe they're raising premiums in New Mexico to make up for that loss. So it really is a nationwide problem. That's so interesting to me because when I think of, I mean, here in Michigan, yes, we have natural disasters. We have some flooding. We have tornadoes. We have snow damage, ice damage, things like that. But I don't ever think like, oh, that's going to alter my insurance that dramatically. But now that you say another state, their disaster could affect what I'm paying because of the company that I'm working with through my insurance. I just never even thought about that in that way. That's right. And really, flooding is the most common form of home damage by far. And floods are just getting worse and worse across the country just because of amounts of rainfall and our preparedness to deal with floods regarding infrastructure. So we may not think of floods necessarily as these bigger events like fires and hurricanes, but they're all over the country and they're only getting worse as well. So as a homeowner, what are some things that I can look for? What are some things I can do to be proactive now knowing that most likely my rate is going to increase? What can I be looking out for? What can I do? I think the biggest practical thing to do is prepare in your budget because this is an unavoidable cost unless you completely pay off your home and decide to go uninsured, which I'm not recommending. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the fact is you're going to have this bill and the prices are going to go up. You know, you can shop around a little bit potentially between companies, but you're not going to find anything that is equal to or lower than what you have been paying in the past few years. And what about renter's insurance? Is this affecting renter's insurance also? It does because costs obviously trickle down to renters. If the homeowner's insurance is going up, they're more likely to raise the rent to help cover their mortgage payment, which includes insurance. And is there anything that our state can do to step in here to kind of avoid this? Yeah, so policy experts told me there are a few ways that the government can help. One is by really committing to having good infrastructure that can mitigate some of the damages to these climate events. So, for example, levees that work well to keep floods away from mm -hmm. residential areas or better infrastructure for drainage to keep floods at lower levels. Another way is if there's like a public-private partnership. So, for example, with flood insurance, the government offers most of the flood insurance in the U.S., so they sort of take on the risk instead of these private companies. Because the truth is, you know, this is just a less viable business as this problem gets bigger and bigger. And companies are already pulling out of high-risk places like places in Florida and California. It just doesn't make sense for them to offer insurance to places where they're going to be losing a lot of money. So the government can sort of help mitigate that. Step in, right. And now in your research, did you find that more homeowners were tacking on extra insurance, extra riders, like something specific for flooding or something specific for wildfires? People often do have to buy separate policies for different kinds of events, which is another risk to the homeowner. Maybe they don't really realize that their policy doesn't cover wildfires for whatever reason. And if that happens to their home, they could just be completely out of luck insurance-wise. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, part of the lesson is read the fine print. Yes. <laughs> and if you are moving or buying a house in a specific area, these are definitely things to consider that coupled with the major increase in the price of buying a home nowadays. Exactly. One of the more, I would say, dark projections about the future of this is it could just be 
completely unviable to own property. I don't mean to pick on Florida, but we'll just use them as an example. (laughs) In a place like Florida, you know, people think of real estate as an investment. And you, at some point, people are not going to want to buy property that they can't insure that could be completely damaged by weather events and won't be worth money in the future. So it could incentivize people to not live in high-risk climate areas. Absolutely. I do think it's worth mentioning auto insurance as well. Because actually what was interesting to me when I started this piece, I think of homeowners insurance as your dollar amount because it feels like a big purchase to insure, right? Mm -hmm. But actually since more Americans own cars and car insurance is also getting more expensive, it's a bigger dollar amount for the overall economy than homeowners insurance. This is also due to climate crises. It's the same kind of thing, like weather events damage cars the same way they damage homes, homes, but it's also due to... Electric vehicles, for example, insurance is higher on them and more and more people are buying electric and hybrid vehicles, which means they're buying, you know, newer cars, which the insurance is higher on those. So just something to keep in mind as well. Check out your auto insurance. Talk to your company. Yeah, talk to your company indeed, Kristen. You know, the thing about it here is we mentioned it as we teed this story up. This isn't one of those things that you can put as a uh, a variable expense or uh, something you can choose to do or not to choose. We're kind of hamstrung into this one. Yeah, you're right. We don't have a choice. We don't have a choice. Certainly lots of other things we'd rather spend those dollars on, but better budget for spending more on your homeowners in car insurance in the coming year. Holidays are approaching. We talked about in the opening segment I asked the question, are you guys ready for the holidays? All the shopping done, all the decorations up, all the cookies baked, right? Kristen, mm-hmm. you got all that done? Yeah. Really? That, I, no, you told me in the opening that you didn't have everything ready. You didn't I'm have your shopping, shopping done. Oh, sorry. I'm shopping. Okay. okay. Yes, you yes. didn't have your shopping done. Yeah. Well, I have good news for you. Okay. Like we need another themed shopping day, but I didn't even know about this one, but apparently it exists. Do you know what Super Saturday is? No. Okay. Well, I didn't either. Actually, I've never heard of Super Saturday, but Super Saturday is the last Saturday before Christmas. That happens every year, and it is a huge shopping day. The National Retail Federation reports that the last Saturday before Christmas will see a major surge in in-store shopping, of course, because the in-store, you need to get it right away. you got to get it now, take it home. And in this year, by the way, we're talking about December 23rd. 23rd, right. So you've got one or two days before the holiday, that's it. And they're expecting a huge rush of shopping on this particular Super Saturday. So on next week's show, because we will air during Super Saturday, our listeners are going to be frantic. We have to remain calm that hour. We have to remain calm. I thought you were going to say, so next Saturday's show, you won't be here. (laughs) Because yeah, right. You'll be doing your last minute shopping. Well, I, I, uh, I might, but I'll stick right. around for the show. Okay. okay. Maybe give us, if you did go out, you could give us a report on, on right. you know, from the street. Right. Well, maybe I could Super just Saturday. give everybody my list now and they could go out and do well, the shopping for me. Okay. That's, oh, that's interesting. Okay. Does everyone know how to get a hold of you? Oh, they can check our <laughs> Facebook page. Okay. Yeah. Check the Let's Go Michigan Facebook page. Offer your shopping help to Kristen. That's right. And she's got two adorable little girls. You better take care of them. Oh, That's yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And I have a feeling when you say that everything's done, they've probably been taken care of and that's been checked off the list for probably two months, I'm guessing. Yeah, with the help of Santa. And mm-hmm. your wonderful but poor husband, that's probably what's languishing at this point. That's, that's the right. way it tends to go, well, I think. Yeah. yeah, that's all right. Right. Mark, no issues on your end. I'm I done. know that. I you got it all you. buttoned up. Yeah, you already out. said you were done. Yeah, right. Mark's got it buttoned up, ready to go. 53 million people 
expected to shop on Super Saturday this year, up from $44 million last year. How about that? That's incredible. That's going to be a busy day. And I didn't even know this Super Saturday term. Who knew? I'm going to start using that. That's cool. Super Saturday. All right. Well, and of course, on our show here, we always have a Super Saturday. Now well, we get to do yes. the show. That's right. You know, Every get to Saturday have some fun is together. A super Saturday. Yeah. Let me uh, shift gears for one second here. I have to ask you guys. One of the other things about this time of year is that, you know, we tend to be more generous. We tend to want to take care of people who are doing nice things for us, and so on. I'm referring to tipping. And we've kind of talked about this before. There's this thing going on out there called tipping fatigue. Right? Yeah, we have covered that. Have you guys noticed that, you know, if you're trying to buy something at a counter these days, whether it's even just a simple cup of coffee, the old iPad gets spun around. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> and, yeah. it, 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 and it gives you the, you know, 20% or better kind yep. of option. But and if you don't, mm-hmm. God knows what's going to be in your coffee. Now, every year, this time of year, generally speaking, 15% of U.S. adults say that they increase how much they tip because it's the holiday season people working extra long hours, all this kinds of things. That's according to Bankrate, the personal finance site. So people tend to want to be more generous this time of year anyway. But I got to tell you, there is a real thing out there, this tipping fatigue. It all kind of started during the pandemic, post-pandemic. You know, it seemed to just open up this tipping thing. And then, of course, inflation, you know, we had to tip more and more and more in order to take care of these people. 44% planned to tip the same amount as last year, while 13% say they're actually decreasing holiday tips this year for the first time. They've never done that before. They will be this year. 23% didn't tip last holiday season and don't plan to this year either. <laughs> well, well, those are the Scrooges. Scrooge, yes, yeah. definitely. So tipping fatigue. How about you guys? You feeling it? I'm feeling it. But have you heard this new thing on the Amazon app? If you open up your Amazon app and you type in thank my driver into the search bar, the most recent Amazon driver that's been to your house, they will get paid $5 from Amazon, no cost to you, as a thank you. Wow. It's for a limited time. It started December 12th, and it's for the first 2 million thank yous that Amazon gets. I've never heard it. Is that for real? Well, my neighbor just did it, and she said it worked. So I don't know. If you have tried it, comment. Tell us again Tell us. how to do that. Yeah, so go to the Amazon app, and you all have it. I know oh, you do. Oh, if it's on the Amazon app, then it's got to be for real. Yeah, okay. exactly. So if you go to the Amazon app, and in the search bar, all you have to do is type in, thank my driver, and the most recent driver that's been to your home will get paid $5. No cost to you. Now I'm feeling a little more generous. That's right. Especially because Amazon's paying, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> They've got the money. <laughs> and uh, Amazon's at my house almost every day. So I'll just keep, you know. $5 every thank day. You, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that, see, that works for you. Yeah, that works for you too. What are it you talking about? It works for me too. Yeah. You better believe it. You know what? That is an innovative company, that old Amazon. Well, they they seem to got all the bases covered and they mm-hmm. seem to be able to have the money to do whatever they want to do. So that's really cool. All right. And then I wanted to ask you, to keeping on the holiday theme, Are you guys, you're both going to be home during the holiday season this year, right? Yes. Yeah, we are as well. Yes. But a lot of people, of course, go away for the holiday, go on vacation, go to see relatives. According to new data published by Statista, while Christmas and the holiday season are usually reserved for spending time at home, visiting with friends and family at home, et cetera, et cetera, while many do go on vacation this time of year, interestingly, many fewer people We'll be doing that compared to years prior. More people staying home this year 
on the holiday than previous years. That directly related to, obviously, the cost of travel, cost in general. Right. And so more people staying home during this holiday season. Interesting, considering in the first segment we said that more people would be out and about driving because the cost of gas is less. Yes. There, for the holiday specifically, people are just hunkering down and staying home. Is that what you're saying? Yes. This year, they predict more people will be staying home as a result of the cost of going on a vacation. Now, it's interesting, those two statistics, more people on the road, yeah, but less people going on vacation... The study that I'm referring to right now is specifically people taking a vacation during this period of time where they go on and they buy either a cruise or they go to stay at a hotel, they go to a warmer weather climate. Okay. These are people that planned and purchased some sort of vacation. Vacation package. uh, Package or some sort. Okay, I understand. So that's a little different. I think uh, though there may be some crossover there. I think primarily the statistic of more people on the Michigan roads is, as we said when we opened the show, that's more about uh, over the river and through the woods to grannies, right? Yeah, right. I think right. that's what that's all about. Right. All right. And then, of course, Michigan known for many things, certainly automobiles. Many would say mortgages these days with two of the biggest mortgage companies in the world based right here in the state of Michigan. How about pizza? Many would say pizza. Okay. You got me going. These days, maybe even some might say the Detroit Lions. Yay. <laughs> that'd be nice. I don't know. We'll see tonight, actually. It's an important game coming up, and we'll see how we fare. But Michigan known for many things. One of the things that we're known for that may be lesser known, but it's a fact, Michigan ranks third in the nation in Christmas tree production. So another big industry here in the state of Michigan. We know on the agricultural side, we certainly know about our cherry production. Mm -hmm. But how about Michigan ranking number third in the nation for Christmas trees? That kind of fits. It does. It It makes sense. Yeah, I'm a bit lost for words, but that does make sense. It does make sense. Lots of farms. Why not? We We have the right climate for Christmas trees. It only takes eight years to grow a Christmas tree. Is that right? Eight years? I believe so. I checked with that real Christmas tree board. Okay. Well, listen, we're so significant that Governor Whitmer even proclaimed December as Michigan Christmas Tree Month, recognizing the vital economic, environmental, and social benefits of Michigan's Christmas tree industry. She went on to say, as we enjoy another holiday season, it's the perfect time to pick out a Christmas tree with your loved ones. And I think when we talked about this in Mm -hmm. in last week's show, Kristen, you have a natural tree in your home. And Mark, do you? I have a fake tree. You have a fake tree. And there is something to be said for, as we talked about, the fact that it seems real, seems, I don't know, a little mm -hmm. warmer, a little more... uh, Mm. The smell. uh, The the smell. Brings joy. Right, right, Mm -hmm. right. I do love a real tree. Well, Mark, if you do decide to go get a real Christmas tree, there's still time. There's like 560 Christmas tree farms in our state. I think one of them will sell you a tree. Well, there you have it. Another great industry here in the state of Michigan for us to support and for us to be proud of, us to be thankful for this time of year, no doubt. All right, that's going to do it for us here on Let's Go Michigan. And glad you were able to join us today. We look forward to being on next Saturday as well. Next Saturday on Super Saturday, right? Big shopping day, last shopping day before Christmas. All right, everybody, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks for listening.